you know, elimination protocols can be very helpful if they're used in a specific kind of way and you work on the mindset. But for most people, if you're coming from a dieting mindset, it's only going to push you farther. You need to stop doing these protocols. Like you need to work with someone who's trained in working on your relationship with food and the elimination protocols to determine is this even a good thing for you right now? Or is the additional stress of these restrictions going to create the same types of symptoms that you're experiencing and trying to get rid of with this elimination diet? Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and your host of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, and I am so excited to have you here listening today. Oh man, friends, this episode today is fire. I am so excited for you to hear from today's guest. I really wanted to have this guest on today, not only because I listen to her podcast and love all of the work that she does, and she just inspires me every day through Instagram and her podcast and all of the work that she does, but she has her own really incredible story of finding freedom with food and switching career paths from being a Whole30 coach to being a coach who helps women find balance with nutrition and body image and freedom with food. And so she has this really unique perspective and I wanted someone on to have some real talk about something like the Whole30 or other elimination type diets and plans that people are often recommended and to really talk about who these are really appropriate for and if they're really necessary and how to get out of the mindset that you need to eat a certain way or follow a certain plan in order to be healthy and to live a healthy life. And one of the reasons I love my guest Dana is because she really brings in nutrition science along with body image and health all into one really beautiful, unique package. So for those of you who don't already know her, Dana Monsi's MS, CNS, LDN is a dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach teaching women how to heal their relationship with food in their bodies and break the diet cycle for good. She's the creator of Real Food with Dana and the host of the popular Real Talk with Dana podcast, where she and her guests break down no BS nutrition science, body image, health inclusivity, and reclaiming your power. We talk about Dana's personal story and 
and how she found freedom with food, how she moved away from becoming a Whole30 coach and started focusing on health in an inclusive way. We talked about why most people's motivation for going on plans like this are weight and why that's not a motivation that's going to get you very far when it comes to living a healthy, balanced life. And we just had a really great, honest conversation about it all. I'm so excited for you to dig in. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dana. Hey, Dana, long time no talk. (laughs) Welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today and chat with you again. We've already been chatting for quite some time now on your podcast, but I'm so excited to hear your story. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Um, I feel like I know you pretty well now, so <laughs> this should be a fun interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been an hour and a half, so we're, we're already old friends, right? <laughs> well, we know we already have a lot in common. So Exactly. I, <laughs> so I still like to start with an icebreaker. So I would love to hear your icebreaker question anyway, even though we've already been chatting. So my icebreaker is, what do you drink first thing in the morning when you wake up? Oh, water, 100%. I feel like when I wake up first thing in the morning, I feel like the Sahara Desert. And I'm like, I need all of the water. So I drink water, I walk my dog, and then I'll make like tea or matcha or like decaf coffee or something. But it's always water first. Nice. I'm a water first girl too. I love love my coffee, but I'm always water first. So Awesome. (laughs) So I already shared your bio, but I would love if you can just share a little bit more about who you are for the listeners who don't know you. I'm sure many of them or most of them will um, and what you're passionate about bringing to the world. Yeah. So uh, my name is Dana. I'm a dietitian, nutritionist and body image coach, and I'm the creator of Real Food with Dana, the overall brand. (laughs) And uh, my podcast is Real Talk with Dana. So it's kind of like an extension of all of that. Um, And what I love to do in the sense of bringing my passion to this world is um, help women ditch the diet cycle and heal their relationship with food and their bodies that by realizing that... um, food doesn't have to control your whole life and your body size does not determine your worthiness to take up space in this world or your worthiness to be um, able to experience love and belonging. If you can't tell, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. Um, so those are just you know some of the things that I hope and help my clients to do. Those are a lot of the things that I talk about on my podcast. Um, and the other part of me that I like to bring in is this aspect of clinical nutrition and neutral nutrition and to help women with chronic health conditions not only heal their relationship with food and their bodies, but to heal their bodies as well from a non-diet, non-restrictive approach. I love that neutral nutrition. That is, that's such a cool definition. And I I love that as a definition for, for some of the work that you do. All of the work that you do is incredible, but I love that because I don't think there's enough people in this space helping women with both, helping women who are struggling in their health and also struggling with their relationship with food and their relationship with their bodies. So I know that you have a pretty incredible story of struggling with your own health back in college and it kind of led you in you know, a zigzag way to the path you're, you're on today. So can you kind of share where your kind of struggles with health started back in college and, and how that led you to where you are today? Yeah. So, um, 
the the main part of my story definitely started in um, high school and in college. I had never, as a kid, I had never really thought about food um, that much. And I had been an athlete my whole life and I had always been told, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat because you're a swimmer and you can just eat anything and it doesn't matter. And I hadn't really thought about what that meant, but I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and then I didn't realize until later that I had slowly been absorbing a lot of nutrition and diet and body image dogma um, from my mom, who was constantly on diets when I was growing up and just being in um, body conscious sports when I was younger. So I was a swimmer my whole life. I played gymnastics. I played volleyball through high school. Um all of the sports where you're wearing minimal to no clothing, of course, right? And so when you're in a sport like that, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people because girls are running around half naked all the time, whether you're in volleyball spandex or you're in a swimsuit or you're in leotard or you know whatever it is. Um, and so it wasn't really until um, at one point in high school when I had been on vacation with my family um, and we were going to go on like a helicopter ride or something and they have to weigh you to place you in different seats to go on the helicopter ride. And I had looked at my weight and bless her now, but my mom goes, Oh my God, you weigh that much. You weigh more than me. And like my whole world was just shattered. And so then from then, um, I started seeing a nutritionist. I started dieting. I like lost a lot of weight. And like you mentioned in your story, started getting a lot of compliments. Um, I, that then same year I had started dating my high school boyfriend who I dated for a while. And he later turned into, um, a bodybuilder. So he was like very vain and obsessed with himself. So you can only imagine the things that he was saying to me. Um, and that obviously didn't help at all that our relationship was very like back and forth. And I always assumed like, Oh, if I just got a little bit skinnier, he would like me better and he would come back to me. And, you know, teenage relationships are never great. Um, but that definitely didn't help either. And so then in college, we went to different schools and I had now completely absorbed like a, a sponge that appearance equals value. If I can control my appearance, people will like me better um, and everything that goes along with that. So long story short, that turned into at first just some very extremely restrictive eating and extreme exercise behaviors. I was already on the swim team in college and we were doing like multiple hour workouts a day. And then since I went to a D3 school, we actually have an off season, which is unheard of in swimming. Normally when you're growing up in swimming, you get a maximum of two or three weeks off the entire year in August. And otherwise you're training six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times a week, double practices a day, everything like that. So you can see why people say, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat when you're a swimmer because you're just going to burn it off anyways, which is a damaging mentality for when you stop swimming and when you are swimming. So that's actually something that I work on now as a swim coach and a nutritionist with my kids. But so... Then during the off season, I was terrified of gaining weight. Um, so I took to running and I took to, you know, the Stairmaster and doing abs at the gym and like basically working out endlessly to work off, quote unquote, the very minimal amount of food that I was eating. I basically turned it into a sport to eat as little food as possible um, and got very, very comfortable with just being very hungry, not allowing myself to eat. Um, I don't know that I 
was ever anorexic, but I was very, very close to it. Um, and then that the restriction would then turn into binging and that bit then turned into like what would be diagnosed now as binge eating disorder and then bulimia. So I was kind of like all over the place in college and for a few years afterwards. Um, and then I started getting diagnosed with all these different health conditions. I noticed in college, I started having all of these stomach issues. I was so nauseous. I could barely eat anything. Like this was at this point, this wasn't even me trying to control my food. This was, I'm so nauseous. I can only eat basically like the brat diet, the bananas, rice, applesauce, toast for months. That was almost all I was eating and like plus peanut butter or something. And that yes, I wanted to restrict my food, but at that point I was so sick. I was like, I will literally eat anything because I am so hungry, but I'm so nauseous that I just, and I could not figure out what was going on. Little did I know later. And if you guys have heard me tell my story before, would later find out I had celiac. So I was making myself more sick by eating the bread and by eating all these other things. And so I had gone to school in Vermont. So I started seeing a nutritionist that was more um, complementary and alternative medicine minded, which was like groundbreaking. This is like back in, you know, 2008, 2009. And she was like, oh, well, you might want to consider like cutting out gluten or cutting out dairy. And so I did that and I temporarily felt better. But I, when I would cut out one thing, I would eat more of the other one. And when I would count out this thing, I would eat more of the other one. So I kept feeling sick and I was like, no, it can't be that. But then I started following all these food blogs that were like, oh, you'll be so much healthier if you cut out these foods. And then the women's magazines that, oh, you should only eat 1200 calories a day. Meanwhile, I'm exercising like freaking three, four hours a day, you know? So I basically was whittling away to nothing and was having a lot of the, what I know now as the health side effects of having an eating disorder. So I started having like acid reflux. I was nauseous all the time. I started being anemic. Later, I had adrenal issues. I had lost my period. I had leaky gut. I had candida. I had all of these different things as a result of controlling my food so intensely. And then all of the compensatory behaviors that go along with binging and purging and everything like that, that it was completely messing up my health. So a few years after college, I turned to the uh, food as medicine trope. So I thought <laughs> that I was trying to heal my body with food, but really I was just using this as another excuse to control my food by doing all these different elimination diets. So now I was eating food, but I was only eating very specific foods and in very controlled amounts and still exercising until the cows came home. Um, and it got to a point where I broke my body so far down that I could not exercise anymore. My hormones were like down the toilet. I was so exhausted. I got so sick with some crazy viral bug or something that again, I was so nauseous and could not eat anything without throwing up for almost a month. So I had to quit my job. I was working in politics in DC. I had to get out of my lease in my apartment with my roommate. I had to move back in with my parents and basically have a breaking point where I was like on the floor crying in my bathroom of being like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so I had finally started to pull myself out of it 
I had been listening to all these different podcasts, reading all of these different books. I had listened to um, a podcast about how there was this girl who had been a fitness competitor and she started learning about binge eating disorder. And I was like, oh my gosh, it kind of sounds like that is a lot of the things that I was doing. And I didn't even really know what eating disorders were at this point. Like I had seen girls when um, I was in college, I knew there was this girl who was very anorexic, who was in the gym the same amount of time that I was, but no one was concerned about me because I wasn't skeletal like she was. And then the same thing, I had another friend who um, was bulimic and everyone was concerned about her because she was skeletal, but I wasn't. And so I didn't know that eating disorders don't discriminate based on size back then. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like things are going fine. I was always, you know, all my friends were like, oh, she's like the fit friend. Like she's the healthy friend. Meanwhile, my health is in shambles. I'm unraveling from the inside and I had never been more unhealthy in my entire life. And yet I looked fine, quote unquote. Um, so I really didn't get the help that I needed. So when I had finally hit this breaking point, starting to pull myself out of it, starting to actually eat food, um, starting to actually eat all foods gradually, like, oh my God, I allowed myself to eat an avocado. Like I allowed myself to eat oatmeal that wasn't just plain. I allowed myself to eat whole eggs, you know, and I started diving into this health coaching, this nutrition world. So a lot of the things that were really therapeutic to my healing were I went while I was still working full-time, I enrolled in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I did their health coaching program, which was great, but then it wasn't enough for me. And legally, you can't practice nutrition in Maryland where I live unless you have a RD or if you become a CNS licensed nutritionist. So I was like, okay, that's the way I'm going to go. Um, so I had started my blog during this time and I was still on the, you know, food is medicine, but at least I was eating more foods now. So I was going in the right direction, but still restricting. Um, and then I went back to grad school to get a clinical nutrition degree. And like you mentioned in your story, when you're in school for nutrition, you learn about all of these different diets and elimination protocols and then everything that people can do to help heal certain health conditions. And I was like, oh my God, perfect. I have this thing. I'm going to do this diet. I have this thing. I'm going to do this diet. But then I would combine them all together to the point where it was so incredibly restrictive, again, that I could barely eat any foods. And now looking back on it, I'm like, well, duh, Dana, of course you didn't heal because you were literally not eating anything. You weren't fueling your cells on a cellular level or fueling your body on a cellular level. And I hadn't healed the mindset piece of it. So that wouldn't come until much later. Um, I had started working on my relationship with food. Um, I had done so many different elimination protocols just as chronic yo-yo dieting. I mean, you name it, it was like paleo, leaky gut, autoimmune protocol, sugar-free, whole 30, all of the things to the point where I was so obsessed with these things that I then became a whole 30 coach because I was like, if I can do it, you can do it too. You know, and it just it was really disordered and doing all of those things in particular, the whole 30 only furthered my disordered relationship with food until I realized, I don't even remember how I realized that, but I was like, wait a minute, these diets say heal your relationship with food, but I feel more trapped doing these things than 
I had before my eating disorder. So I was like, hmm, does not compute. How does this happen? And I started to notice that other clients that I was working with as a Whole30 coach were experiencing the exact same things. And I was like, oh my God, this is effed up. I cannot do this anymore. Like I'm trying to help people feel better manage their symptoms, and then also get out of this chronic yo-yo dieting cycle. But the elimination protocols that I was giving them was not helping them get out of that cycle. So I was like, all right, I can't do this. So about, um, God, when was this? Maybe two, two years ago, a little over two years ago at this point, I started making this major shift in how I was talking about these things. It's like, you know, elimination protocols can be very helpful if they're used in a specific kind of way and you work on the mindset. But for most people, if you're coming from a dieting mindset, it's only going to push you farther. You need to stop doing these protocols. Like you need to work with someone who's trained in working on your relationship with food and the elimination protocols to determine is this even a good thing for you right now? Or is the additional stress of these restrictions going to create the same types of symptoms that you're experiencing and trying to get rid of with this elimination diet? So eventually I had quit Whole30 coaching and doing any work with them and anything, stopped doing um, elimination protocols altogether with my clients and on the business side and stuff. At this point, I don't even remember. Uh, I didn't even finish that part of my story. Like, how did you get recovered? And like, when did that happen? Um, it was so gradual after that breaking point that I was so determined that I was not going to go back to that place that I was finally just like, we're going to have to take a lot of time off of exercise and we're going to have to gain the weight and we're going to have to, you know, let go of perfectionism and stop being what my dad would call me a type A++, A++ is like, it was, it was a lot and it was really hard. And, you know, gaining weight is never easy when you're told your whole life that appearance equals value and you're not going to be loved if you gain weight, basically. And you're a lazy POS and you are undisciplined and unmotivated and everything like that. But then I realized like, (laughs) I felt so much better after gaining weight. Like, no, my body image was not great at that time. But I knew that if I just stayed the course, if I gave my body what it needed on a nutrient level and I worked on the mindset piece and let go of the rules, that eventually my body would stabilize to wherever it wanted to be and I was going to have to be okay with that no matter where it was because I was sick and tired of controlling my way into a certain size to the point where I had quite literally broken my body down and I couldn't function anymore. Like I had to quit my job. I had to move back in with my parents. I had to, you know, which is amazingly lucky that I had the opportunity to do that because it was very healing for me. But then finally taking that mentality and allowing myself to connect with my clients who had been with the same kind of thing, we would create this very strong bond. And I think, you know, there are a lot of clinicians out there that like don't want to share their own stories because they want to, um, you know, maintain this basically like professional barrier of like, I am the professional and I am here for you. But for me, and you know, not to say anything bad about that, like everyone has a different coaching and client style. For me, it 
creates an even stronger bond between me and my clients is like, I know exactly what you're going through because I have been there and I can tell you how I got out of it. I can tell you how a bunch of my other clients have gotten out of it to kind of prove to them that it is possible because when you're in that deep, dark place, you can't see the other side. You have no idea how you're going to be able to get out of that. And that's really scary. You know, that can be when you're in the depths of an eating disorder, when you're in the depths of depression or anxiety or any of these things, it really just helps to have someone there to tell you, I've been there and I know you can't see it right now, but I promise you it's going to be okay. So over the past two years, I had been shifting my philosophy and the way that I worked with clients, the types of clients that I worked with. Um, I don't do intentional weight loss with people, period. That's not something that I do. Um, weight loss might happen as a result of something that we do together, right? Like people, if people are very inflamed and I add in some anti-inflammatory foods, they might lose some weight, but I'm never going to be like, we're doing this with the intention of weight loss. And I want you to do this because you cut your calories. We don't do counting. There's no morality around food. I don't do macros. I don't do any of that bullshit anymore. Um, and it was kind of an ego check to go through that. It was like, is everything that I've been doing harmful to people? Like, is this wrong? Like, is this moral? Like what? And at all stages of evolution, let's say of our journeys of you know, moving through recovery, of growing as a clinician, you're operating within the knowledge that you have right now. And you're just doing the best you can. I like to think the best in people. I tend to be an optimist. I don't think in general, except diet culture, that people are <laughs> intending to prey on people's insecurities in order to make money. Um, Cause I know that's something that the diet industry does. I don't want to say that, you know, individual people are like out to get you, but like some of them are. Um, so that was something that I obviously never wanted to do. And I kind of had a little bit of a huge ego check and like business midlife crisis. There is like, what am I doing? Oh my God, how can I help people best? And so when you're always thinking in that way, is like, how can I help people? What do people need? How do I meet people where they are? Now it's evolved to the point where over the past two years, I've been working with people to still to heal chronic health conditions with food, which is what I initially set out to do. But it's also realizing you can't do that until you work on the mindset piece. You have to realize what is people's relationship with food? What is people's relationship with their bodies? What are the choices that have brought them to where they are today? What drives them? What are their fears before you can even get to the chronic illness stuff? Because if I have someone who comes to me and they have a history of chronic dieting, the whole spectrum of chronic dieting, uh, disordered eating, eating disorders, wherever they are, even if there is evidence-based research that says cutting out a certain number of foods for whatever health condition they have is extremely effective, if I give that to them, that's going to turn into another disordered behavior. And that's going to turn into more health conditions than what they came to me to solve in the first place. So um, it's been a very humbling journey, <laughs> but here we are. Um, and now I've gotten to a place where I love the work I do every day. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the work that I do is very um, emotional and it can very, be very like draining for my clients and 
very draining for me too. You know, like this stuff is not easy. We're talking about, oh, you're afraid of gaining weight because you feel like you're not going to be lovable in this world. That's a lot harder than going on a diet, right? Like fixing your relationship with food in your body is infinitely harder than being like, oh my God, I just feel so out of control. I just need to do another whole 30. That's easy. Okay. And like, I know people say like, oh, the whole 30 is hard. And like, yeah, sure. This shit is so much harder. I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to curse on your podcast. This is so, so much harder than doing that. I literally had a session with my, one of my clients this morning and she was saying, it would be so much easier for me right now, given how out of control I feel to just go back on a diet because a diet gives you a false sense of control. And when you're trying to heal your relationship with food, it's not about the food. That's what you find out is it's, it's about these deep-seated fears that we've had, these deep-seated insecurities. And that's why I believe the people who come to work with me are some of the most courageous people that you will ever meet because they are acknowledging an insecurity. They're acknowledging a vulnerability. And we're taught as women that you can't be weak. You got to be super mom. You got to be superwoman. You got to do all of the things and you can't show weakness because people will take advantage of you. So just the fact of someone being able to admit, I need help. That is so courageous and so beautiful that I want to do everything in my power to help them with all of the tools that I have and making sure that everything that we do is meeting what they need. And also as a clinician, me knowing there's so much, when people come to me, it's really not what they put on their intake form that they need help with. It's so much deeper than that. You know, like if someone says, oh, you know, I need help with bloating. I need help with inflammation. It's yeah, it's definitely that they want help with that, but it's going to be so much deeper than that too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things that I could, (laughs) I could follow up on. I know our stories parallel so much in a lot of different areas. And so you can see me nodding along with you and your whole journey. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the different ups and downs and where you are today and what you're so passionate about. And I can just, I can hear the passion in your voice behind what you do. And I, I love that, like I said in the beginning, that you are openly working as a clinician with clients who are struggling with these health conditions and who might have tried everything to fix them, quote unquote, on their own. And they're coming to you kind of oftentimes, I think, as their last resort going, okay, I just, I need your help. And then even having to dig deeper to really get to the root of the emotional side of things, as well as that physical side of things. But I kind of want to take a a quick little step back to the Whole30 side of things. This is something that we have not officially addressed on the podcast here, and I want to chat about it for a minute. And actually, it's funny, a part of my story that I I hadn't shared on your podcast was that my last-ditch effort to quote-unquote heal my body was a whole 30. And actually I had mentioned that my hut, I, there was an argument between me and my husband over pickled onions and you have to listen to Dana's podcast to hear that. <laughs> um, but I was told by a nutrition professional that I was working with when I was going through, um, a time of, it was kind of like chronic fatigue. There was no true diagnosis as to what was going on with me, but I, I had chronic fatigue. I had some adrenal insufficiency and 
the nutrition professional I was working with suggested that I go on a Whole30 to see if anything was triggering some inflammation in my body. And so for me, Whole30 was easy breezy compared to a lot of the detoxes and cleanses and things I had done before, or I, had, I was sure that it was going to be so easy. And what was so revealing to me after already um, I had done a fitness competition and I was kind of on my way towards intuitive eating and I was listening to podcasts on intuitive eating and I was moving towards this place of finding freedom with food and I went on this whole 30 and it, I've never done something so hard in my life or at least at that point in my life other than probably giving birth. That was pretty hard. <laughs> But it was so much more difficult than I thought that it was going to be. And I think it was because I was already at this place where I was ready to give up the rules and to give up the restrictions. But I was also in this place where I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to heal my body, how to feel better. For me, I experienced a health crash similar to yours in that I was exhausted and I felt like I couldn't function anymore. And I thought that this was going to help to heal me. So I'm wondering, what is your approach with the, you know, the client who comes to you going, okay, I know you have experience in the whole 30 and there's a lot of people out there that thinks that you know think it works really well to help them find a healthier relationship with food and a lot of it is positioned to feel like it's something that's going to help you find food freedom um and like you said there is definitely a time and a place in working with a practitioner to do elimination protocols to find things that are triggering things like inflammation or food sensitivities things that are, are creating real um issues in your body, but a lot of people go on this on their own without anyone's help, or maybe with the help of a Whole30 coach, looking for answers. And what they find is restriction. So I'm wondering what you would say to the person who's like, okay, I feel like this is what I need to do to heal my body. Or somebody told me that if I just go on this plan, if I just eliminate this long list of things for the next 30 days, I'm going to be healed and I'm going to find food freedom through that. Can you speak to that a little bit? I think, I mean, I don't even know if that's really a question, but really I think that place that I was in and kind of speaking to that, that person who, who is hoping that this is going to be a source of healing and also a source of food freedom. Yes. So um, a couple of different components there. The first thing that I will say off the bat is you cannot create a freedom-based, peace-based relationship with food by creating more rules and restrictions, which is exactly what the program does. Now, caveat, no, not even a caveat, addition to that. Um, can you potentially heal some inflammation, digestive issues, skin issues, sleep issues, and stuff that you've having that you've been having by eliminating certain foods? Yes. However, so I want to go back to you know people come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I've done whole thirties and you know it was super helpful and like I was so healthy, like I lost a lot of weight and you know all this stuff, but then I just went back to binging and I like went back to eating all the foods and now I feel like crap again. It's like well, I want to go back to like, what is your definition of health? What is your definition of progress? Because for a lot of people, like, let's be honest, it's weight loss, right? And so if you believe health equals weight loss, then yes, doing a program like that 
for your beliefs, right? Equals weight loss equals health. For me, health does not equal weight loss. Health equals a vibrant, peaceful relationship with food and your body and incorporating actual health promoting behaviors in the sense that you feel vibrant and thriving from the inside out to the extent that you can given your genetics and any predisposition to certain health conditions, right? And also acknowledging that like health is not something that everyone wants to pursue. It It so happens that all of the people that come to me do want to pursue health. And so the first thing that I do with them and say, okay, well, let's define health. What do you think health is? And how are we going to measure progress? Because we're not going to be working on weight loss. So if I tell you to give me a definition of health, removing weight loss from the equation, most people are like, um, losing fat, like, uh, I can't say losing weight. So what else is it? And then for a lot of people, this definition of health is shrinking your body and taking up less space. And then we look at, okay, why is that your definition of health? And digging into where did this come from? Because this weight stigma and this kind of like healthism and health equals weight is coming from everywhere. It's coming from the medical profession. So of course you believe what your doctor's telling you. They all, they have more education than us in the medical field, right? Why would I not believe them? You know, it's coming from fitness professionals. It's coming from influencers who like, I don't even get me started on them. It's coming from, you know, nutrition experts and like, okay, sorry, what is a nutrition expert anyways? If you're actually a nutrition expert and you have the credentials to back it up, you don't need to call yourself a nutrition expert. And then, you know, it's coming from all over the place. And so of course we feel like, oh, better health equals losing weight. I need to be smaller. And then we go to pursuing all of the uh, behavioral changes. This is why they call it a lifestyle change, right? You're eliminating foods, you're doing more exercise, you know, you're taking, and then some people will take these things to the extreme. You'll see people that are doing the whole 30 over and over and over again. They're doing it. Maybe they just do it for 30 days and then they quote fall off the wagon. And then the next month they do it again and then they go off and then they go on again. Is yo-yo dieting healthy? I don't think anyone would say yes. Is binging and restricting healthy? No, I don't think anyone would say yes. And then you have people who are now doing, oh, I I feel really good on Whole30, so I'm just going to do Whole60, Whole100, Whole180, Whole365, when I will give it to them for this. It says in the guidelines of the program, don't do this forever. You're not supposed to. However, they're not discouraging people from doing it. Because the other thing is, When you look at this as a business model, if it was truly 30 days to fix your relationship with food, no one would ever have to do the program again. You did it, you're done. They wouldn't sell any more books. They wouldn't continually have a new influx of people doing this every month. They wouldn't need to do January, May, September, holiday, whole 30s, all this other stuff, right? So that was kind of one of the skeezy things that really pushed me over the edge when I was like, wait a minute, you're saying 30 days to heal your relationship with food and yet you're promoting people doing this multiple times a year, that doesn't make sense to me. And it, go, it goes a lot deeper than that. But, you know, like, I do want to acknowledge, like we said before, you know, therapeutically designed elimination protocols do have a time and place, but you have to work on the mindset piece first. And that's really where this fails, is like, they're saying eliminate, and this beyond Whole30, it's not just Whole30, it's all these different 
protocols, right? We pick on Whole30 because they say, do this and you'll fix your relationship with food, right? Um, and that tends, that happened to be part of my background, right? So again, going back to, you can't fix your relationship with food by creating more rules and restrictions. They're also not doing the, what we do now is the mindset work up front to figure out what is your background? What are you coming into this with? Because a lot of people that come to the Whole30 have done so many different diets before and they're looking for something different. And in a sense, it's a little bit of an improvement because they're not telling you to count calories. They're not telling you to do macros, but there's still all of these different restrictions to the point where people will remove all of these foods and then they realize that they feel good great. You've created a connection between how food makes you feel physically in these different symptoms. Learning experience. Good. The problem is then this creates a morality around food and it creates fear around these foods that if I go back to start eating them, I'm going to gain weight or I'm going to start experiencing again all of the symptoms that I temporarily got rid of while I was eliminating these foods. This is where the cycle starts to get out of hand because as soon we know if you restrict for too long, eventually the pendulum is going to swing the other way. So then when that happens and people go, quote, off the wagon, this is what they say on the whole 30, oh no, I have to start over. And so then you do a renewal of the restrictions, but this time it's not going to work as well because your body is smart. Your body is an adaptation machine. You do one big change thing one time, your body's like, whoa, what's happening? And you probably noticed a lot of changes the first time you did any diet. The second time you go back to it, you're like, why isn't this working as well? Because your body's smart and it's adapting. So then you go back the third time, you're like, that one didn't work as well, didn't lose as much weight, didn't see as many drastic changes. So this time I'm also gonna cut out fruit or nuts or carbs or something. And then it's getting more and more restrictive. And then you binge even harder when you come off. And yet they say that it heals your relationship with food. Ellipse. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, and I try and do this with my clients as much as possible with um, an aspect of re-education and compassion of, of course you believe what they're telling you because all these people have had, again, quote, results, weight loss. And yeah, people are sleeping better. Their skin is clearer. They might be having less digestive issues, but it's not helping with the mindset piece. And it's also not getting to the root cause of why they were having those health conditions in the first place. This is the same with any elimination diet. And the way that I explain it to my clients is like, yeah, I could put you on an elimination diet, even if you didn't have any history of a disordered relationship with food. Sure. You're having SIBO, you're having digestive issues, you're having all these things. Yeah. I could put you on an elimination diet and it would fix your symptoms. That's a band-aid because it doesn't actually fix why you're having these symptoms in the first place. And so when we're thinking about these elimination protocols from a clinical nutrition standpoint, it's like, okay, physiologically, why am I experiencing these symptoms that I have now uh, seeked out, sunk out, whatever, I don't know, English is hard. I've tried to find a protocol to help me solve these symptoms. Why am I seeking out that protocol in the first place? What brought about these symptoms? But then also the mindset part of it, why am I looking for a diet to fix this, 
right? Why do I feel like I need to lose weight in order to show the world that I'm doing something, quote unquote, right? And so really digging into people's why is one of the things that I like to do. And I like to think about it like an iceberg is like the things that people say, the reasons that they want to work on things are really just the tip of the iceberg. These are the things that we talk about and are acceptable in polite conversation, right? So if your if your reason is, oh, I want to lose weight or your statement, your goal is I want to lose weight. Okay. Why? It's kind of like talking to a two-year-old, three-year-old, and they're just like, why, 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 why? And you know, it gets, it kind of sounds like the birds in Finding Nemo. Um, but they want to know the reason for everything. And thinking about that with that mentality can be super helpful because it's like, okay, why do you want to lose weight? Instead of like, oh my God, you want to lose weight? You're not recovered enough. You know, it's coming, meeting people where they are and understanding where they're coming from. So let's dig into that. Okay. I want to lose weight. Okay. Why? Um, I want to have more energy to run around with my kids. I want my clothes to fit better. I want, you know, things that people will commonly talk about that they're comfortable talking about. The things below the surface of the iceberg are the things that they don't want to talk about. These are the real reasons. I feel like I won't be loved by my partner or I won't find a partner unless I lose weight, unless I'm more conventionally attractive. I'm afraid of getting shamed by my doctor the next time I go back because I haven't lost weight. I'm afraid of, and it's mostly fear-based because People are afraid of losing weight for all these deep-seated reasons, and that is uncomfortable. And that's why I always advocate for therapy. <laughs> you know, in addition to working with whether it's a certified intuitive eating counselor or a body image coach or someone who does the work that I do with the clinical nutrition, like this is deep and it is uncomfortable. Again, going on a diet is easy. Doing this work is hard and it's emotional and it's digging into your past. And that's why it works really, really well when you work with a clinician like me in conjunction with a therapist, because this stuff goes so deep and yeah, I can do the food and the lifestyle stuff and we can talk about your fears around food, but I can't fix your past and I can't help you dig into really the therapy side of things. So that's why having that is super complimentary. And again, is it comfortable? No. Do you feel like you kind of have like a, what Brene Brown calls a vulnerability hangover after having a session with me or with your therapist or another practitioner? Probably, but it's going to be so therapeutic and so helpful to you in the long run. Whereas, you know, a diet might fix your digestive symptoms for 30 days. Working on this is going to fix your relationship with food for your whole life. And is it easy? No. Does it happen overnight or in 30 days? No, but you can make progress and understand how you can deal with road bumps and obstacles when they come up because That's the other reason why all these diets fail is they don't tell you what to do when shit hits the fan and it's going to. And so you have to have the tools to know that you're not back at square one just because you ate what you think is too many Oreos. You're not back at square one because you had one binge. You're not back at square one because you had a thought that you wanted to lose weight after being in a triggering situation. Those things are going to happen. You just have to learn to accumulate the tools of, okay, understanding that you had that thought or understanding that that behavior happened, acknowledging it. And then how do I continue to move forward from here instead of spiraling all the way backwards? Yes. Oh my gosh. 
so much more we could dig into. <laughs> yeah. So my question is then, because I agree with that so much, it is, I love the, the tip of the iceberg analogy because it really does go so much deeper. And I'm really glad that you acknowledge that there, there can be some benefits that you have to going on something like a Whole30 and spending those 30 days and feeling really good after and that you explain that there's a reason why you might not feel good the second time for the 60 or the 90 or whatever. And that, you know, it could be that there are some things that were going on in your body that are being, you know, in the early stages of healing or you're identifying some struggles you might be having, but it's the fact that we go off of it and we're not dealing with that underlying, that's why it doesn't really truly last. So I'm really glad that you brought up that there is so, so much more to this than just what we see and just what we feel like is the answer. And that's, you know, eliminating all of these foods for 30 days. And then all of a sudden we have this freedom with food. So my question is then, as someone who does work with these clients on finding this place of health and this place of balance, when they've come to this place where they are working on this mindset piece, they're digging deep, they're figuring out why they've had these thoughts and these feelings um, around food, around wanting to lose weight, around their body, how then do they work towards this place of health and healing if you know they are still struggling with digestive issues, or they are still struggling with, you know, like inflammatory conditions or things like that. How do they go from, okay, I'm working on healing my relationship with food really this time to, okay, well now I really need, I want to work towards these health conditions where, how do you make that transition? Yeah. So a big part of it is working on the mindset piece and then also explaining the connection between the psychosocial and the physiological body, right? Because, I mean, we've all had, you think about um, like when you get really nervous before a presentation or a race or a competition or, you know, something, that's the gut brain connection at work. And so a lot of the time, if people are having digestive issues, I talk to them about the gut brain connection and what happens when you have, we call it knots in your stomach, what happens up here, right? You don't feel good if you're having... (laughs) If you have IBS, you know, when you're having an episode, your brain doesn't feel good, right? And then when you have a lot of anxiety, it goes down also and you start to have indigestion, you start to have bloating, you start to have gas, you know, all these lovely things that happen with our digestive systems. And so I talk to them a lot about the nervous system and the, what happens when you're in fight or flight versus rest and digest for your physiological body, right? And with blood sugar regulation and the adrenal and thyroid issues that can go along with that. So a lot of the time we're starting with the mindset piece that then translates into the stress piece. Because when people, this happens a lot with um, food sensitivity testing also is like people will come to me and they're like, oh my God, I have so many foods and I'm allergic to them. And so I do a lot of education and re-education. Um, you know, go back, going back to what I said before is a lot of nutrition information out there and quote unquote is really just dieting and weight loss advice. And it's really not thinking about nutrition for me is how do you fuel your body on a cellular level so it can perform optimally and make you feel good from the inside out in the physical body, emotional body, mental, psychosocial body, all of the things, right? So 
thinking about how we can work towards that from an abundance perspective rather than a restrictive perspective of dieting or elimination protocols or anything like that. Because like I mentioned before, Sure, if you have you know hypothyroidism, if you have adrenal issues, if you have whatever, there's a freaking elimination diet for everything, right? But if you have this history of disordered eating or chronic yo-yo dieting or whatever it is, an elimination diet is not actually gonna fix your health problems. Because again, health is not weight loss. Health is not being in a smaller body. Health is thriving from the inside out, eating foods that make you feel good, eating foods that fulfill you on a physical, cellular level, but also an emotional level. And acknowledging that food and eating can happen for multiple different reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's sleeping in a way that gives you energy. It's moving your body in a way that makes you feel good. It's working towards minimizing any symptoms of chronic health conditions that you have. But also health isn't just the absence of disease, right? So it's thinking about instead of trying to fix something with a Band-Aid elimination protocol, it's okay, there also are foods and things, lifestyle things, that we can add in to help you feel better. So for example, if my client is coming to me and they're struggling with hypothyroid or adrenal issues, most of the time, they're not eating enough food. And also most of the time, they're definitely not eating enough carbohydrates because low carb, right? <laughs> so then in addition to adding the foods in, so the physical foods, we then have to work on the mindset around those foods. Because for a lot of people, if you look at, for many of my like thyroid and adrenal clients, we have these, and this is me, I was also this person, um, totally afraid of carbs, refuse to eat carbohydrates, over-exerciser, chronic people pleaser, perfectionist, like this is the type A personality, chronic illness condition, right? So it's thinking about what are all of the things that got here in the first place? So that's talking about like their health history, their dieting history, like their mentality around like, how did you get here? That's how we're really going to figure out, okay, how do we get out of this? And it's not fixed by one food. It's not fixed by an elimination diet. If I slap an elimination diet on you for hypothyroid, it's not going to fix the fear that you have of carbohydrates. It's not going to fix the fear that you have of gaining weight because you think you're not going to be lovable, which then drove you to do six whole thirties and to over exercise until the cows came home that gave you adrenal fatigue and hypothyroid in the first place. So we need to dig into what is that health history? What are your fears around food? Where is the anxiety coming from? Where's the stress that's coming from that's keeping you in that fight or flight state that's pushing you towards having all of these symptoms as a result of all of that? Sometimes in my client sessions, we barely talk about food because we need to do the foundational stuff first. We talk about adding foods in nutrient-dense foods. I never talk about taking things away unless someone has a true food allergy or celiac, or if they can tell they're having a very strong reaction to a certain food. I'm never going to tell you to eat a food that makes you feel like absolute crap. But then my job and my question is, okay, let's figure out why. If it's a food allergy, if it's celiac, that makes sense. If you're lactose intolerant, okay, that makes sense. If you get a food sensitivity test pack and you have 30 foods that come up, that doesn't tell me that you're sensitive to all those foods. That tells me you have a lot of inflammation and leaky gut going on and that we need to add in some food and supplements to help seal back up the gut so we can get you back to eating as many foods as possible and that you can absorb those foods because a lot of the time what happens with those people is 
They're not absorbing the food that they're eating, no matter what the food is. And then we start to have a lot of effects of nutrient deficiencies that are creating other issues in the body. And so it's really looking at healing from the inside out and not just taking a Band-Aid approach of an elimination diet or another protocol or something. Oh my gosh. So, so good. I could talk to you for hours and hours and I I bet people would listen if we kept talking for hours. (laughs) So, so good. I so appreciate your perspective. And I know that that's been my story and a lot of um, my healing from disordered eating and healing my gut and other things that I've had going on, like anxiety. It's really been the mindset piece. And I know that's true for, for so many other people. So I know we only have a couple minutes left. So I just want to take you through a couple really fun, quick, rapid fire questions. And then I'll have you kind of share where, where they can connect with you. So these are my final three. I ask everyone because I like to talk about food in a way that is joyful and fun and non-restrictive exactly as we're talking about it today. So what's your favorite thing to cook? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So I have recently been rediscovering my love of baking. Um, So I used to love baking as a kid and and in high school before I figured out that I had celiac. Um, And then when I figured out I had to be gluten-free, I was just like, gluten-free baking is so hard. It is so hard. Um, and I always would just like fail at it. So now that there are these like amazing, like one for one gluten-free flour blends, um, I've been rediscovering my love of baking, um, which has been great. I am more of a, um, savory person though. Um, so I lately, my favorite thing to cook has been, um, pad thai. Oh, yum. We are actually making pad thai this week in our house. I love pad thai. I found some rice noodles on sale and I was like, we are making pad thai. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. So then what is your favorite thing to order if you're going out to a restaurant or I guess now getting takeout or have someone else cook for you? Yeah. um, So up until I discovered this recipe for pad thai that I love, um, pad thai was my favorite thing to get takeout. Um, it was like my comfort food when I was in grad school because I would get home so late from class and just be like so exhausted. And I was like, I cannot cook right now. I'm just going to get pad thai. Um, but now that I've been making this recipe, it has ruined takeout pad thai for me because the recipe is so good that I'm like, ah, I can't like, <laughs> I can't just get pad thai from a restaurant anymore because the homemade one is just so much better. Um, but when I'm going out for food, um, I love like Tex-Mex. I love margaritas and chips and guac and stuff like that. And I also really love um, Cuban food also. Oh, so good. I haven't had Cuban food out in a really long time. We are big so good. fans in our house. We eat a lot of tacos and a lot of guac. <laughs> Awesome. So my last question for you then is that we talk a lot here on the podcast about finding what I call your beautiful balance. And we actually talked about this on your podcast. And it's really for me going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure and joy in food and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Oh, I feel like I could talk about this for an hour. Um, let's see. Finding your beautiful balance to me is learning to honor what your body wants and needs 
in terms of food, in terms of movement, in terms of, you know, do you need hugs from your dog every hour? Because like I do. (laughs) And just learning that, you know, everyone is so different and learning that wherever you are, you're doing the best you can and that is okay. And honoring that like some days you're going to want to eat the Oreos and some days you're going to want a cake and some days you're wanting both. And just really learning to get curious rather than judgmental, I think is the biggest tool in trying to find this beautiful balance and really getting to wherever you are, whether you're trying to rediscover a relationship with food, with movement, with your body, with other people, with understanding yourself and going to therapy and something is getting curious and realizing that like whatever you find there, it's okay. And it's just information instead of being judgmental and dipping into shame and guilt and everything like that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Curiosity over judgment. So, so good. So can you share where my listeners can find you, Instagram, your uh, website, all the places? Yeah. So um, Instagram is all spelled out real food with Dana. That's me. Uh, My website is realfoodwithdana.com. Um, you can also, if you want to find more about me and like ask me questions and hang out and stuff, I have a Facebook group called the non-diet community, um, which I can send you the link for the show notes. And then my podcast is the real talk with Dana podcast. So if you like to listen to my Jersey ranting and stuff like this and talking about, you know, nutrition science and accepting yourself. And, you know, we talk about binge eating relationship with food, everything it's all there. Well, I'm a huge fan. It's an excellent podcast. And I'll also be on the podcast too, but that's not the reason why I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on. This was an incredible conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.